The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and with your hand and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, all these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Temptation comes in a variety of shapes and sizes and forms. I personally have never been tempted by a serpent or by the devil himself, but I have been tempted, and I imagine each and every one of us has been tempted, probably on our way to church this morning several times. Temptation is all around us. Temptation changes, though, over time. The temptations I had when I was 12 were different than when I was in college, were different than I, was now, than I am now a priest. There are similar temptations, but they change in the way in which I am tempted. I'm not tempted the same way now as I was when I was 12, right? But I still have you know, probably some of the same underlying issues as I did when I was a 12-year-old. Some things never change, some things do. But temptation always comes to us in the form or in the disguise of something good. The third drink, the pretty girl or the handsome guy at the bar. You name it, there's always something good about temptation, at least in appearances. In fact, in medieval times, they would uh, paint and, and, uh, and uh, show this uh, temptation, this Bible story, as the devil dressed as a monk. Something good, something pure, something to be... Uh, admired that the devil was a monk tempting Jesus. So all temptation is disguised as a good, but we know that there's an evil underneath it, but we don't think that in the moment. St. Gregory the Great says that there are two, or excuse me, three modes of temptation. The first is the suggestion, whether internal or external, toward that thing. 
The second is the delight. We think, wow, that is something good. That will make me a better person. I, I can know more or do more if, if I do that. There's something delightful about it. And the third thing that St. Gregory tells us is the choice. We choose to do. We choose to be tempted. We choose to do what we've been tempted to do. And that's the thing, is that sin is always a choice. Sin is something we choose to do. We think it's a good, but we choose to do it because we think somehow or other I will be better, I will have something better, I will, people will respect me more. We choose it, but we choose the wrong thing. And not only do we choose it, but sin spreads. In the first reading, Eve sins. And what does she do? She gets Adam to come with her in the sin. And then what happens later in the story? They're kids. They're two sons. One of their sons kills the other. Sin leads to more sin. When we give in to one temptation, we're much more likely to give in to a bigger temptation down the road. Sin is always a choice. Sin is always spreading. This is the concept of original sin that sin has effects, and those effects are not good for us. And we see this in our culture. We see this in our society, not only outside of the story of Adam and Eve, but, for instance, to use a, perhaps a, a, a blunt and graphic description or example, is that in the last 15 years, the number of girls who have been sold into sexual slavery has risen astronomically across the globe. And I don't think it's any surprise that so has the consumption of pornography during that time. That one sin leads to another. Well, we don't even have to go that far, actually. Perhaps, perhaps a better example is the current immigration problems and crisis, if we want to call it that, in our country. A lot of people want to say that this is a new crisis, that this happened with the new administration and the new Congress. Wrong. In fact, in our country, the most unjust thing we can do to murder innocent people is legally acceptable so long as that person is in the womb. We can't be surprised or shocked that we have little or no justice or a broken justice system for immigrants and refugees when the most vulnerable and the poorest among us are treated unjustly. In fact, we can see it in our own, cult, in our own families that the justice or the lack of love and mercy that we show to one another builds and spreads. But this is why it's so important to give our lives to Christ. Because if evil spreads, good spreads all the more because it's better. It's good. Good, as they used to say, the medieval maxim, the good is diffusive of itself. If I give my life, if I give my whole heart and soul to Christ and follow after Him, I can change the world for the good. St. Paul was walking on the road to Damascus, met, fell in love with, chose to follow after Jesus Christ, and he has changed the lives of billions of people. So it should be and can be for each and every Christian disciple. If we choose for our life to be a yes to Christ and a no to the devil, to listen to the words of Jesus today and say, get away, Satan, and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to dwell in my hearts. And Jesus gives us an example of how we can do that in the gospel today. He shows us three things we can do. The first is that fasting and prayer, two hallmarks of the season of Lent, make us stronger in resisting temptation. If we can, in a sense, discipline our bodies, discipline our minds, 
then we can be stronger. And when temptation comes, we can see through the facade. We can see through it and say, this is not something I want. So fasting and prayer makes us stronger. Not only that, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has given us His Word, the Word of God. St. Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians that the sword of righteousness is the Word of God. Each one of the responses that Jesus gives to the devil is the Word of God. When interpreted and used rightly, we can wield the Word of God. And it can be a strength and a boon and a an amazing source of power in our lives. And so in our own spiritual lives, do we know Scripture? Do we love Scripture? Do we pray with Scripture? Do I have a few Scripture passages that when I'm tested, when I'm tried, when I'm in a difficult spot, I can go to and invite that sword and wield that sword against the evil and temptation that is in the world? The third thing that Jesus shows us today is that also our greatest temptations and perhaps even our greatest sins are actually the greatest opportunities for conversion. Did you notice that wonderful and beautiful little twist at the end? Jesus says to the devil, the first being, the first creature to have ever rejected God, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. He invites the devil to conversion. So it is in our own lives that even in the depths of our depravity, our brokenness, our sickness, we can be converted. We can turn evil into good through Christ Jesus. That it can be the fuel that helps us understand why we don't want to sin anymore and why we want to live and our life be defined by that yes, that constant yes to God, His goodness, His mercy, His love, His beauty, His truth. This is what life is about. So even if we have constantly given in to the same temptation over and over again, that is where God is going to do his greatest work. So there is never any sin, there is never any way of life that is so far removed from God, from Christ Jesus, that we can't turn to him and we can't come to him and be converted and that be a place of strength and no longer a place of weakness. And here we are in the season of Lent where prayer and fasting, two of those things I just mentioned are a part of it, and also almsgiving. So how are we doing? It's five days in. Some people have struggled. Maybe we were a bit too eager. Maybe it's time that we look back and try and, and reconfigure our Lenten practices. But get in there. Use Lent as a way to do this prayer and fasting to strengthen yourself to fight those temptations and those struggles in your life. And not only that, use Lent as this wonderful opportunity and invitation as it is to conversion by going to the sacrament of confession, by going and receiving God's most gratuitous and gracious gift of mercy. That he desires to clean you from the inside out, to give you the strength that you need, because in the sacrament we receive both the forgiveness of sins and the strength to go out and form our lives anew, to change, to be one with Christ Jesus. We have a wonderful and beautiful opportunity before us, daunting as it is. We are each, through our baptism, empowered and called to change the world. May we see this invitation from Christ Jesus and follow after it more than the, more than the temptation of the devil. May we be able and have the courage to say when we see evil in our world, evil in our homes, evil in our lives, get away, Satan. And may we have the courage also to follow after Jesus, 
to put him first and to listen to his word. The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve.